All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Welcome to my home. Yeah, Ben, this place is awesome. Not Colin bad. Sweets bought a house. It's it's official now. You've been here. I, it's it's officially lived in. <laughs> That's right. It's, the value has gone down five percent. Oh, is that how it works with a house? Well, when I walk I in a house. I think that's cars. When, when, I, cars. when I walk in a house, I mean. <laughs> you bring Other, down the value just yeah. by your presence? Unfortunately. Yeah, well, it's uh, hopefully uh, audibly everything sounds good. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit of like uh, trial and error. I just am a cursed person when it comes to technology. So I feel like you try more technology than anyone else. So for that reason, <laughs> statistically, you're bound to be. I'm a, a failure bit. because of trying when the real failure is not trying at all. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I consider you actually quite a success. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate how it. much you try. It's been such a long time since we did a podcast. Feels like forever. Feels like we were in a completely different place last time. We did <laughs> Feels like we were smaller because the ceilings were taller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is awesome. Like I got to say, we're in a big room. I'm sitting in a leather chair, a leather bound chair looking at some of your books there's a, a keyboard and and instruments in here it's all set up super nice there's soundproofing on the wall i have this fantasy that if ever it's totally a fantasy but if ever i lost my job in radio because that happens to a lot of people sure uh i would in the meantime while i'm looking for a job at like a furniture store or whatever <laughs> start selling cars <laughs> i'd yeah I'd, I'd call every uh talent contact i've made Mm-hmm. And invite them over to this room and do a podcast with them and put them on the internet. That would just, be awesome. Just to see if I could get a little bit of traction. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. What other fantasies you have? Let's go through them. First <laughs> fantasy ever. Go. First fantasy. Oh boy. Uh, well, this house is one of them. It's, oh, it's, nice. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty perfect. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You guys made a, a great buy. An awesome deck. Yeah, you're a deck fan. I'm a, of course, I'm a deck fan. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm surprised that I'm not suggesting us going out on the deck more often. That's like another Gemini. fantasy I've had is yeah. record a podcast outside, and that just, would be really cool. Just see how good it would it would go. Sure, I, I don't. Be, you I don't know, know, I bet it would be surprisingly good. These are not the best microphones in the world. There are certain microphones I'm aware of. Like these are, I think they're $110 microphones. Yep. And you can get like a $700 microphone that mm. would make it sound amazing. And they would just be the most perfect, like ambient bird chirping in the yeah. background, and it wouldn't be disruptive, but it would paint the picture. Yeah. I li- okay, can you explain this? I listened to a Tim Ferriss podcast the other day, and it literally sounded like every couple seconds someone had poker chips in their hands. And we're like clicking them down or clicking them together. And it was driving me insane. I was like, was someone talking on a set of headphones and it was like hitting against a table and you were just, Oh, that's possible. It could be the the tapping of a keyboard. Yeah, maybe that was it, but it didn't sound like it. Or maybe someone was holding some poker chips. (laughs) I was thinking maybe they're actually having a poker game. Yeah. And kind of editing out the parts where they wouldn't, said all in. Wouldn't that be an interesting, uh, like, psychological experiment? Like, to play play poker with people who are good at playing poker, mm-hmm. uh, but add in the the factor of you have to do a podcast about Castle Rock and Insatiable. And like, just see who wins. Like, you're not allowed to verbally acknowledge the card game that you're playing, oh. which is, like, all the more distracting. Yeah. I feel like we could do a more novice version of that, like Tic-Tac-Toe or something. <laughs> that is a much more novice version. <laughs> but okay, maybe like chess. Chess. I've always wanted to be good at chess. I've always wanted to like learn how to play chess. I think I knew for a 
couple years from I like once grade had three a, to five. It was another one of my fantasies. I once had a fantasy of like becoming one of those people who knows the names for chess plays. Okay. I don't know. It was like, oh, I went, I went uh, B two to King seven. Well, like that. Those are uh, those are plots on the chessboard. But like, (laughs) if I were to say something like, I'm just making something up. But like, I'm going avalanche on this one. I'm going to do MacArthur's defense on you. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Sure. I didn't even know that was a thing. Now I'm going to fantasize about. Well, there are whole books about like Bobby Fischer esque ways of. I mean, it's like anything. There's right. there, anything that is as complex as chess mm-hmm. has a whole background of pretension behind it. <laughs> well, in the podcast world, you are playing chess while I am playing checkers. Although you're not actually able to play chess, and neither am I. I can play chess a little bit. Like, I oh, know, you can. I oh, see, like if we played right now, me kind of learning, you would. I think you could hustle me. Well, do you know what all the pieces do? No. Oh, okay. That's that is an advantage. <laughs> Definite advantage. Maybe I'm flying to Edmonton tomorrow. Maybe I should try to figure out. Maybe that should be my thing. I was trying to figure out what to do on the flight. Yeah. Should I download an audiobook? Should I download like you know just a bunch of podcasts? Should I bring a book along with me and just try to finish it by the time I land in Edmonton? Yeah. Maybe I will try to teach myself how to play chess. You could just get a chess book and just learn about MacArthur's defense. Or, <laughs> is that the biggest? Uh, that's okay. not a real thing. I invented it. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is that 90% that, of chess? There are uh, things akin to that with like fancy uh, uh, Victorian sounding names. Okay. I recommend uh, that. MacArthur's defense and like... The other uh, thing you could do is just get uh, an online chess app and just like play with random people. I've tried that a little bit. With, with chess? You yeah. should learn what the pieces do first before you play strangers who are good at it. I really should. I really should. I should know what the pieces are called for sure. You don't even know that. <laughs> it's like a horsey and I, castle. And- exactly. I'm moving. The, <laughs> I'm moving the the castle man and the little the tiny horse. If you decide on an audiobook, uh, at least consider if it's out. I think it's out. Cherry by Nico Walker. Okay. This is a new book I just learned about yesterday. I'm not even sure it's out yet. Okay. But it's this. First of all, what a pen name, Nico Walker. <laughs> yeah, that's so solid. It's this guy who I think it's just like a blue collar American dude who okay. drops out of high school. He's like in love with a girl, uh, drops out of high school, um, and I think he goes to the military. But then he gets uh, honorably discharged for whatever reason. He's got an injury, and then he's depressed when he's back home, like so many veterans. Mm-hmm. And so he gets uh, hooked on heroin. He becomes like a hardcore heroin addict, okay. which you love. Now you're speaking my language. You love that shit. <laughs> he is out of money, and he needs heroin so bad, so he robs a bank. Okay. And he goes to jail for 11 years for robbing the bank. And there, in jail, he writes the book. Oh, so it's like a the, memoir, but it's told as a fictional tale, and it's right. truly a thing that happened to this guy, Nico Walker, who wrote a book called Cherry. Whoa! And this is uh, this is his first book. Yeah, it's his debut novel, and it's like it's like tearing up the charts. People are so like impressed, but that this like uh, non-educated guy uh, just sat in a jail cell for eleven years and wrote, wrote the next great American novel. And where did you hear about this book from? I saw an article on like NPR or something. Okay. And I just read about, I read the synopsis and I was just fascinated by the person. You know what? That sounds awesome. I think I'm going to try to get the audiobook. You know what? Do you ever go and do like, I, I was on Audible for so long mm-hmm. and then I realized, okay, like six months have went by and I haven't got a book. Yeah. Is this investment worth it? I start to be like, oh, I could listen to it probably a few books this year if I more than that really if I 
listen to an audiobook one after another. But I always get to a point where it's like, ah, oh, damn, it's been six months and I've spent like 60 bucks and I haven't gotten a audiobook. So I'm just yeah. going to log off here. The turnoff for me is that, because I'm not, a, I'm not like above consuming a book in audio. I mean, for, for one, for one, I listen to so many podcasts. I just don't have mm-hmm. the time to, to listen to a whole novel every month. Well, I will say it's, it's not the same. You can't kind of lose yourself in a book the way, or you can't lose yourself in a audiobook the way you can lose yourself in a podcast. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I think it depends. I listen to. Uh, oh, sorry. I meant in a. You can't lose yourself in a audiobook the way you can lose yourself in an actual book. I really enjoyed The Martian as an audiobook. Really? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I get kind of sucked in, but I haven't listened to a lot of audiobooks in a long time. Part of it is I want to own the book. Like I always feel like if you buy the audiobook, you they should have like a promo code or something that gets you half price on the paper book. Do you think that Cherry will be in the bookstore like at the airport tomorrow? Not at the airport. No. No, because the airport's such a, like a select thing. Like that, you just get uh, Gillian Flynn, you get Dan Brown, yeah, you get uh, Tom Clancy. Speaking of Tom Clancy, we were talking about doing the new Jack Ryan show. That's right. Yep. Uh, which is not out until the end of this month, so that'll be coming up in in weeks podcast to come stay tuned but we were trying to figure out like who jack ryan is yeah. fictionally speaking so he is essentially uh to tom clancy who robert langdon is to dan brown or okay. who alex cross is to james patterson this like reoccurring action hero in his crime thrillers that you'd get in paperback at the airport right. so he was played by matt damon most recently on film i forget what the movie was called okay uh, i think he was played by harrison ford some years ago but initially in film he was played by alec baldwin as a supporting character in the hunt for red october oh crazy so he is a character that's pretty prominent yeah oh wow so he was almost like a tertiary character like a, a or a secondary character yeah. in the hunt for red october yeah great name by the way the hunt for red october is a fabulous <laughs> name for something you know how i'm really fickle about names that's a name i like that's a good name yeah what is that movie about i have no idea I have not seen the movie or no, read the book. I have no idea. Did you ever play any of the Tom Clancy games? Never. I played Splinter Cell. Oh, okay. That's one, him. One game I was really into. Yeah. yeah. I think I thought initially he was a, like a video game maker because that was the first yeah, instance yeah. I saw his, his name. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were the other Tom Clancy games? There's another. Anyway, there were, there were a few. But Jack Ryan, I'm excited for. He's. But Tom Cruise has not played him. No, that's Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher. Okay. Yeah, I've been reading the new Dan Brown book, Origin. Is it kind of in the same line as? His it's other Robert books? Langdon again. It's like okay. up, it's like updated, so they'll refer to Twitter or whatever. <laughs> oh, nice! But it's a, it's kind of cool. It's about the singularity. I think it's about like machines taking over and stuff. Whoa! So it has less to do with religion, and it doesn't. At least yet, it doesn't seem to be religion based. But he's still at the end of the day, Langdon is an is an art. Uh, historian or right. whatever you'd call him. So like sure. everything kind of comes back to that. It always takes place in a museum. It's like how Fast and Furious, it always has something to do with the cars. Right. And the, the, the villain, I think he's the villain, is basically, he's basically Elon Musk. Like that's clearly okay. who they're going for yeah. with this character. Right on. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I guess we'll get to some entertainment news. Sure. What's been going it. on? I mean, lots of controversy. Uh, let's start with something bubbly and lovely. Sure. Christy Carlson Romano. Okay. Played Ren Stevens. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also the What's voice. She up to? Also the voice of Kim Possible. Yep. They're doing a live action Kim Possible movie in which she's been cast in a cameo role. Okay. She's gonna appear in a That's small cool. role. Not as Kim Possible. That'd right. be crazy. 
And and do we know who's playing Kim Possible? I think just a nobody. I think it's just a Disney Channel movie. Sure. I don't think it's a big deal, but it's kind of nice that she's like, yeah, I'm available for that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like she should play Ren Stevens in the Kim Possible movie. <laughs> Ren Stevens would be president by now, if you remember. She would be. How accomplished she was at 15. There's a live action movie that I'd love to see. So basically just a movie. Yeah. <laughs> they did an Even Stevens movie. I think I saw it. It was it was like a TV movie, and it was about the family. It was like the classic case of uh, subverting the family sitcom that they did on the Disney Channel yeah. and taking it completely out of water and doing something way over the top with it. Like, they yeah. did the same with the Lizzie McGuire movie. She became a pop star. Right. She became an Italian pop star. <laughs> yeah, only in Italy. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, with the Even Stevens movie, they get Truman showed. Basically, they put them on a desert island and tell them that everything is going terribly, but really it's all just being contrived by a television production crew. Amazing. And that's what... And Tim Meadows plays the like the Jeff Probst character. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's great. Did you see the Tim Meadows thing this week? The no. The $100,000 pyramid thing? No. So it sucks. It's this guy... You know $100,000 pyramid where you're paired with a celebrity and you have to get them to guess the the, right. the code word or whatever? Yeah. I think, I think the idea is... Everything is a category, and you have to say stuff in that category to guess the category. Is that the one that Hardwick hosts, or is that another one? No, that's, uh, I don't know. Another million-dollar game. Yeah, that's just the thing with the ball or whatever. The wall. The wall. Mm-hmm. No, the $100,000 premium is like a classic game show. Right. And so uh, I have seen clips. I just kind of forget. I'm going to botch the retelling of this, but this guy is paired with uh, Tim Meadows, mm-hmm. and uh, he has to get him to guess... Obama. The word behind Tim Meadows is Obama. Okay. But clearly he reads in Osama. Like he's, no. he confuses the B for an S. And so he's like, Bin Laden. And then there's this weird, awkward moment. And then he's like, Barack, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so it's just like an honest mistake that could happen to anyone. But he says it's the most embarrassing moment of his life. And people are calling him racist when it's like clearly just a horrible Oh, horrible God. accident and meanwhile tim meadows is on the other side probably like commiserating with this guy or like yeah sim- sympathizing for this guy yeah probably not until after the fact but like yeah. I, I just feel bad for him when i see it happen because uh, like i just put myself in his shoes and you would feel like you would want to kill yourself <laughs> <laughs> there's no worse a confusion to me you're right that I, like i'm letting this guy off pretty easy but yeah. i if that was ever me i would want to die i mean i don't know what it says about him subtextually but <laughs> also those two names However different those two people are, mortal enemies, you might say. You're on a stage in front of like a thousand people. High pressure. In front of a celebrity. You see something quick. You're trying to go super fast. Yes. Their names are comedically close. Yeah. No, it's insane. Like one guy killed the other and yeah. their names are Obama and Osama. Right. It's like spy versus spy. God, what, what more proof do we need that we're living in a simulation? Oh, you're so right. It would just be a funny little thing. The programmer was like, okay, well, there's this guy, <laughs> Obama, and his mortal em- It's basically like Mario and Wario. Yeah, it's the same. You're <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> Obama and Osama are like Mario, Mario and Wario. And Wario. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what's dumb? Like, uh, naming the anti-Mario Wario is dumb. Mm-hmm. What's even dumber is naming the anti-Luigi Waluigi. Waluigi. Yeah. It's not, it should be Luigi. Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Like, why did Wall come in? I don't know. 
That's... I mean, I guess I guess it's up to his. Who, oh, are they brothers? No, because Mario and Luigi are brothers. They're the Super yeah. Mario Bros. Yeah. So are Wario and Waluigi brothers? I don't know. Have they ever been a, a duo and, together? And are they the Super Wario Bros? Are they the Super Wario Bros? And do they also have like a like Waloshi? Oh, do they have a Wode? <laughs> Wode <laughs> Waloshi? Yeah, Princess Weech. And then what is? If if all things are equal, Wowzer. is it Wowser? <laughs> Do they have a Wowser who's wow. the nice guy? Wow, yeah, he would be. So he would work. Wowser would yeah. work with Mario and Luigi. That's right. Why did they need more enemies? They already had Bowser. Yeah, yeah. Why do they need clones that are bad? I don't know. I guess to create more conflict within the Mushroom Kingdom. I think they. I think they were really taking a page of the Superman book. Also, world. Super Mario Brothers. Does he just get top billing because he's older, because he's he owns the plumbing company, because he's a bigger stud, or is their last name also Mario? Is he Mario Super Mario? Is <laughs> Mario S. Mario. Yeah. Esquire. Um, I have no idea. I don't know either. But back on Even Stevens, the father on that show was called Steve Stevens. Oh, but not IRL, just on the show. But not what? Not IRL. No, not IRL. No. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, we have already. We're already off the trails. Weird okay. territory. The Idris Elba 007 thing has come back up again. Okay. Like it's to the point now where I think it's going to be an incident if they don't cast him. They they're completely backed into a corner. And I've talked a lot about how I I feel very particularly about the people who should be entitled to be cast as James mm-hmm. Bond. Uh, I'm all for racial diversity in that role. I think that's great, but it's frustrating to me. It's almost, it's to me, it's almost like these, these social justice warriors who really think uh, a black person in Idris Elba should be able to play James Bond Uh are being a little backwardly racist by forgetting to acknowledge all the younger and equally talented and attractive black people <laughs> who could more accurately depict that character yeah because each yourself is the same age as daniel craig i know who is too old for james bond right do you have a short list because i'm trying to think of who the short list is i've wanted riz ahmed for a little while okay from the night of and from rogue one yes he'd be kind, he's kind of thin and like but i think he could do it he could bulk up he yeah. could not that you want james bond to bulk up too much they're never they definitely can't cast a white guy without getting raked through the coals on blogs sure it's, it's they have no they're in a corner in that way but i think dan stevens would make a legion i think he'd make a good yeah James Bond. dan stevens would be really good yeah so that's my short list yeah is there any other prominent british actors the guy who played doctor who and is also in the crown he's got to be close to idris alba's age Matt Smith, I don't think so. No, he just was like 51. He's just a little too goofy, probably. Matt Smith? Yeah. He's probably 40. Yeah. Yeah. You he's, think he's, he's too goofy for 007? He's the opposite of handsome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's an awkward looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a, a totally different take on 00. Big thing to get to play the Doctor and James Bond. That would be interesting. Has anyone ever done the two? No. Hmm. No. Christian Bale was offered uh, 007 way back when. I remember that. Yeah, studios, they offered him both Batman and James Bond, but neither studio would let him play both. Play the other. So he had to he had to make the big choice, which he, he chose well, I think. Yeah. Although he would have been a great Bond. Would Christopher Nolan ever do a Bond movie? I think he has loosely expressed interest. Yeah. It would have to be like a trilogy. He does trilogies so well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the other thing is like I think he's probably over playing around in other people's IPs. And like, he has such a big imagination. Totally. And we've also talked about how Christian Bale has no accent anymore. His accent has been ruined by transatlantic travel. And he's also Welsh, isn't he? Yeah, but that's okay. Like you don't have to be from like they're from all over the place. They're uh, from the the general UK. Sean Connery area, is from Scotland. Yes. Uh, and in uh Skyfall they rooted that back in the character being from that's Scotland. True. Uh, I think most other uh, Bonds are from, like, uh, more central England. But George Lazenby is Australian. Like, that's way out there. Oh, yeah. That's not he even the, British. He was the one who was way out. Yeah. Um, and arguably the worst? I think Timothy Dalton is considered the worst. Timothy Dalton. Considered. Yeah. Okay. What about, um, uh, like, what about his accent, though? Like, do we think Christian Bale actually has a British accent? He could probably perform one. If he, he, can, can, if he, he can do Boston, he yeah. can do... He can perform one, and no one can say you're performing an accent because he is Welsh. That's true. In his defense, right? That's true. Yeah. So anyway, I, at the end of the day, look, I like Idris Elba. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I like it, and I like the idea of them shaking up the formula with James Bond, mm-hmm. but it's just this weird thing that people are soapboxing about, and it's I, I, I kind of don't like this attitude that exists on Twitter in the last few years of do this thing that's the right thing to do or or, or you're else. dead to me. <laughs> yeah. And like it's just a, a company that makes movies. Like, whoa, what was Sorry. that? <laughs> that was my... Uh, my glucose falling monitor. Oh, okay. So but, it was. But we're good. We're good. I think. Uh, let me just. Sorry. Now, if they want to do an Idris Elba James Bond movie one off, yeah. They want to do him once and he plays an old James Bond, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know if that's the story you're looking for. We already have an old James Bond in Daniel Craig who's still got another movie coming. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think that he's kind of at a point where he's frozen in time? No. No one's frozen in time. He's you, 51 now. Okay, look at it this way. Sure. He's 51 now. Daniel Craig has another movie in the can coming out in like a year and a half or something. Mm-hmm. Idris Elba is 54 at the earliest when he <laughs> signs on. Yeah. Two years later, the movie comes out at 56. Is he still going to be making James Bond movies at 66? Do you think they'll maybe just buy into it? And that was only two glasses. Do you think they maybe just buy into it and say, you know what, let's do his like old man Logan phase oh yeah i think you could do it but it would be maybe a little weird to do it with idris elba that's what i'm saying yeah i'd love to see an old man logan uh 007 are you kidding where he's just like idgaf and he's just going kind of crazy right although i think they've done that before too yeah aren't they doing like this is there's been four daniel craig bond movies yeah i'm pretty sure in his third one he was old james bond right and there's just two beyond that and casino royale was supposed to be like the first ever James Bond. Yeah, they really covered the whole lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. How many movies? Is this going to be six or seven? I think five. Five. Okay, my bad. I think five. We got to talk about this new Oscar category. Yes, I've heard about this a little bit. The They've introduced uh, a new category for next year's Academy Awards. They've shrunk the, pro, the, the show from three and a half hours to three hours. Mm-hmm. And they've added the category of achievement in popular film, which a lot of people are not crazy about. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand why. Right. Uh, the idea that we need uh, a statue to celebrate, say, the Avengers or a Star Wars movie, when all the money that those movies make right. is probably trophy enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they doing it, do you think, to get more people to watch the Oscars? Because I don't know if that's going to do the job. You know what? I think I think what they're trying to do, maybe, is 
maybe it's their way of paying more attention to the critically loved movies and then having a separate category for the people who are like, what, how, this movie made a billion dollars and it's not being nominated for anything? Yeah, but that's, that, there's lots of shitty stuff that makes lots of money and sometimes, not that often, but sometimes the big money maker is also, also the, the criti- critically acclaimed movie. Like, the things are not mutually mutually exclusive. They're not. Titanic won Best Picture and all those other things. And it was also the biggest movie of all time. Totally. Return of the King, Forrest Gump, these are commercial successes mm-hmm. that were also celebrated critically. Mm-hmm. And... You know, Black Panther was great and it was important socially, but narratively it didn't break the mold. No. And Chadwick Boseman was still there to present an award. Yeah. So like, we're not really missing anything. And also the people who tune in to watch the Oscars are doing it not for Tony Stark. They're doing it for Timothy Chalamet. And the people who would watch an award show for Chadwick Boseman are watching the VMAs. Yeah. Or YouTube. And also... It does it seem like it's specifically tailored to superhero movies? Because that's also dumb. Well, and maybe that's just the easiest example. I'm trying to think of something else that that has happened uh, cinematically recently that like was a a big surprise. Yeah. Um, like, is it, how do you measure popularity if not by ticket sales? Yeah. I don't know. And the other thing is like, the Academy is is a democratic awards system. Mm-hmm. So achievement in popular film. That kind of takes that away. That's numbers, it? right? That's a numbers game. Right. So you know going in who the winner is. And also, it's a consolation prize, but do they do it before Best Picture? Or do they throw it off at the beginning? But achievement in popular film at the same time isn't awarding uh, like Harrison Ford for being in... Like It's not like uh, this person's been in something for so long. I think it makes more sense. Award, I it? think it makes more sense for them to do like I know they have lifetime achievement awards at the Oscars, but right. like the big uh, actors lifetime achievement award in awards season is the Cecil B. DeMille at the Golden Globes, mm-hmm. and that's for like achievement in acting as right. like an artist. Yeah, maybe the Oscars need to do like a lifetime achievement in blockbusterdom rather than like uh, achievement in popular film. They award. Uh, a lifetime achievement to a fucking movie star every year. Sure, and that would be cool. Yeah, and that's how Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise get their Oscars. Totally. Yeah, that would. I think that's fine. I I prefer that. Yeah. Rather than saying we're giving this one to like, you know, E. T. or yeah, E. T. is a good example of a movie that I, I, that did well critically and commercially. Yeah. I mean, there there sure. are lots of them. Mm-hmm. There are lots of them, but. I mean, you you ought to be making a movie to make a good movie. Mm-hmm. Although, it's a business. Totally. So if you achieve one of the two, yep. bully for you, if you achieve <laughs> both, you'll probably see so in your trophy case. What did Jack Nicholson say? He's like, one for me, one for them. So he'd yeah. do like a critically acclaimed one and then do one for the studio that was going to be huge. Right, and then and you that. can adapt that to just about anybody in Hollywood. Right. Uh, you know... It, Quentin Tarantino does them all for him. Yeah. And like Adam Sandler appears to do them all for them. Right. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He's having fun. Yeah. Um, I might need to take a quick pause depending on what's happening here. Okay. Is your life on the line? Well, I don't know. No, I don't think so. You know what? I think I'm going to be fine. It would really, really sully the new studio if you had like some kind of... I died in it. Well, definitely, if there was death here, it would be hard to keep doing podcasts. I'm saying it right now. If I die, bury me beneath the floorboards.
the upstairs <laughs> yeah we're above yeah. our kitchen right now <laughs> i would just <laughs> be in the kitchen <laughs> that's very upsetting and we'd have it on, oh sorry <laughs> we connected feet um we uh would have it on record wouldn't that be creepy if you had a heart attack mid podcast because that leaves me with this creepy moral mm-hmm. conundrum of mm-hmm. do i delete the file i have slaney's beautiful last moments the last sweet conversation he had with a friend no but also his death what you need to do is save this mm-hmm. send it to the black mirror people give me a forever um uh like uh a consciousness yep. that will exist uh, in perpetuity. Okay, I'll, I'll do that exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll do for you. Yeah. All right. Wouldn't be the the downfall of myself or humanity. Probably be fine. <laughs> While we're on award shows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. Uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che gave an interview. I think it was in like Entertainment Weekly or something. Okay. They're going to host the Emmys. Uh, they gave an interview this week, which is kind of... Uh, painted them in a new like on the Twitter sphere. Mm. People are like super not pro Che and Jost this week. Whoa. Because they're very smug. And like, I've kind of always felt that way about Che. He's very superior. He's very above it all. Okay. Uh, and Jost kind of has the same attitude. They basically take a, uh, I mean, this is a cool gig, but like award shows are dumb. approach. Okay. And while they are inherently dumb, I'm somebody who watches award shows. Mm-hmm. And people who watch award shows want to be able to enjoy them. Right. Don't, as the host, get up on stage and look me in the eye through my TV and say, you're vapid for liking this. Right. Like, that's not a good idea. You're not above it because you work for Time Warner at the end of the day. The only time where it's worked was Andy Samberg in the roast of, was it Justin Bieber? Uh, No, it was Franco. Franco. And that was the only time that he kind of broke the wall of... He was doing a hilarious thing. I think he was roasting roasts. He was roasting roasts. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, they're kind of roasting award shows in what yeah, they're doing. I guess like, that's arguably sort of doing true. the same thing, but he did it in a way that people thought was okay. I think they're kind of, I think the Comedy Central roast applies a, a heavy metal motif to like the classic Dean Martin roasts. Right. I think that's the idea. Yeah. I watched the Bruce Willis roast. Oh, that just came out recently. Yeah, didn't it? a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't that good. Who were the the roastmasters? Uh, well, J- Joseph Gordon Levitt was the roastmaster. Oh, really? Which is kind of odd. He was like the MC. He was the MC because he was in Looper with him and yeah. maybe something else. Yeah, and so Edward Norton was the best, hands down. Edward Norton was the best, really. And the joke is really Edward Norton is an asshole. Like, yeah, and everybody knows that Edward Norton is apparently an asshole, but I think Bruce Willis is too. Yeah, and they worked together a little bit. The thing about Edward Norton is he just performs his speech the yeah. way he would a monologue. Right. And as an amazing actor, he kills it. Crushes it. He crushes it. Good. But I don't believe any less that he's an asshole. I'm pretty sure he is. Sure. Martha Stewart was pretty good. She does these things now. Who who was all on it? Dennis Rodman cries oh during it. <laughs> well, he cries he during everything. emotional in it. Which is weird. But for the right reasons? Or does he just start crying because like... Oh. Is he talking about Bruce Willis? Yeah, or is yeah, he... because he talks about like how much he loves Bruce Willis. And he cries. <laughs> He's a crazy person. Right. I'm struggling to think of who else was there. Um, Who's the... Nikki Glaser. She was there. She was pretty good. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was lackluster. Really? Yeah. Franco was a highlight in the roasts recently, honestly. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Rob Justin Lowe Bieber was, was okay. Good. Bieber was good. Rob Lowe was good. Yep. Yeah. They hit a they hit a few good ones there for a while. Yeah, but nothing since then. Anyway, so uh, and JGL didn't really kill it. No, he was fine. 
He was but it's just, just okay. weird. It's just like the other thing is like I, I don't really get what that guy is, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I, I was think he kind of pissed away being a movie star. Isn't it weird? I was thinking about that like last night for some reason. I don't know why. He's also kind of snobby. So he also just kind of has an attitude of like I don't, so? I don't need this. I do get that impression. Yeah, yeah. I think he. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. It is too bad. He's, he's one of the guys I want to like. I want to like him too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm being sour about it. <laughs> Who are we talking about? Oh, uh, well, we're talking about uh, Joseph and Shea. Speaking of right. SNL, sorry. Uh, Luke Knoll got fired today. Did he? Yeah. He wasn't. For a second, very... you almost went, who's Luke Knoll? And I was going to go, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not surprising. Do no, they have. He new... was. I could have called that from, from last November. Yeah. Do they have new cast members yet? I don't know if they're going to get anybody new. I don't know if they need anybody new. They're pretty bloated. Like, I'm kind of surprised they didn't fire somebody else. Although, Chris Redd was pretty good last year. He was good. And Heidi Gardner was quite good last year. Heidi Gardner was really good. Yeah, she's really funny. Yeah. So I don't know if, like, usually they'll hire three or four people and fire two of them. And yeah. they'll fire somebody who's been around a while. But I don't. I think I think Lauren's getting soft in his old age. Like, yeah. I remember Bill Hader talking on Howard Stern about how he always used to be really, like, afraid he was going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Bill Hader's an extreme example because he's so supremely talented. But uh, Lauren Michaels told him, you can relax. I'm never going to fire you. Right. You can work here as long as you want. And he's obviously told Keenan that, Keenan that. And a few other people, too. Like, people don't get fired as much as they used to on SNL, which used to have seven people on it and now has, like, 38 people on it. <laughs> Are we doing the show? I don't know. <laughs> We had to we had to cut so Slaney could get a couple of uh, sugary things because of his disease. <laughs> Am I watching anything lately? Yeah, we started watching Friday Night Lights. Right. Yeah. And you're liking it. Well, you know what? I feel like it's kind of a taboo thing to say. I'm in. I'm enjoying it, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if I enjoy it for the right reasons. Like I've said before, I like trashy TV. It's kind of not that good. You're like, feeling like maybe like it gets better, but like Minka Kelly's an atrocious actor. Sure. She's like, oh my god, bad. Mm-hmm. Like. And and Taylor Kitsch is not that good, and Kyle Chandler's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Maybe, I, I don't do know. you think maybe it's like um like the OC? It's football? that's the thing. It kind yeah. of that's what it kind of reminds me of. Sure. And it's treated as like the West Wing with football. Like people talk about it like, oh, Friday Night Lights is such a it's such a gem, man. And I don't think it is. I like I like it, but yeah. I don't think I like it for the reasons everyone else likes it. Yeah, I think maybe it's closer to the OC with football. The movie I liked a lot. Is that right? Yeah. Same story. Connie Britton plays the wife in both, but different person. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know what? I haven't watched enough of the show to really know. In the show, at least uh, the first season, the show is all about the, their star quarterback getting paralyzed. Is mm-hmm. that what the movie's about? No. Okay. Their star court, like someone gets injured and can't play the rest of the the rest of the season or or can't play football again but doesn't go get paralyzed i don't think <laughs> it didn't go off and get himself all paralyzed all paralyzed <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i liked the movie a lot yeah it was like understated it was about a team going to the national championship maybe it's just a slow burn it's kind of like one of those quiet things but it's like a jason Kadem's show and so he did parenthood which i think is the same idea like i think it's kind of like uh joyful melodrama mm-hmm. and like i like this is us so i'm not above that right. um but he also made that show rise that we did a podcast about like 10 episodes oh, God, ago yeah. and rise sucks it, it like, just sucks it sure does and 
so I don't know if this guy is like, I was listening to Dak Shepard on uh, off camera with Sam Jones and they were talking about how he got the job on Parenthood, which is Jason Kadams. And he called Jason Kadams a genius a couple times. Oh, really? And I was like, I don't think so, man. Yeah. And also the guy's name is Jason and the star quarterback is named Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I can't, I can't help but think that's not a coincidence. That's a liberty that you can't help but yeah. notice. It's not like he didn't notice when he was writing that pilot. Like oh you know you know the 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 martyr in the show the hero who everybody's sad about is your name it's sweets oh yeah oh yeah. it is sweets oh I didn't even think of that I didn't think that was like crazy <laughs> anyway that's that's what stands out to me but I like the show uh, Ruby Rose cast in the CW's uh, Batwoman she's gonna play Batwoman right so this is fine it's it's like it's so not a big deal explain to me who Ruby Rose is she's on uh, why why should I care this is what I, the listeners want to know. This is this is kind of another instance of the internet turning everything into social commentary. Okay, I'm noticing a pattern. <laughs> she's cool. She's like she's really good. she was on uh, Orange Is the New Black. She's um, she's she's really good. She and she's beautiful. Okay. And it's like a cool thing, not only for there to be like a TV show with a, a female superhero, although that exists in a couple other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Supergirl, I think, is their, like, that's one of their flagship shows in the CW. <laughs> so, um, wow. it, she's also lesbian, so that's that's cool. It's good for the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because uh, there are lots of hate nerds out there, and the CW notoriously has the trolliest and slimiest and greasiest of fan bases... Uh, they were so vitriolic and hateful when she was announced as Batwoman. She's now left social media. She canceled her Twitter profile and she closed the comments on her Instagram because she doesn't need that shit. No. And, I, and I get it. But also, it's just Batwoman on the CW. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, At the end of the day, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, why is she so excited about it? <laughs> and, and why are other people so excited about it? Sure. Just a dumb low budget show that kevin smith is going to occasionally direct if you're if you're playing anything on the cw you got to approach that like you are a full-time commercial actor you are like like you are going to do a tide a series of tide commercials that's going to pay you a couple million maybe i don't know how much and by doing doing this you're going to be invited to comic-con forever totally What's wrong with that? Nothing. Just do it. Get I'm, your payday. I'm, You're not I'm all selling for out. A job. You're buying in. I'm exactly. <laughs> I'm all for her getting the job, and I yeah. think she's great. But like, she was on Jimmy Fallon last week, and he's like, "This is it. Everything has changed. You're Batwoman now." And it's like, it's not the same to play Batwoman in the Lego Movie as it is to play to be Batwoman. You know what I mean? Right. And and it's not the same to be like you're not playing Batwoman. Directed by Christopher Nolan. No. You're Batwoman on the CW. Ugh, I think we're I think we're bad people. I think that's worse. No, I think it's worse that Jimmy Fallon <laughs> was phrasing it that way. It is so much worse. He was just like, uh, whatever, what's Wednesday's show? Batwoman? Okay. Yeah. You know, what's one of my questions going to be? Oh, yeah. You're this Batwoman. is it. Yeah. You're Batwoman now. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, it's so cool. So cool. I've been consuming so much Bo Burnham stuff because he's been promoting eighth grade, which is stunning, by the way. It's so good. Which you really like. You said I, it was heartbreaking. Which it it I is found devastating. Har- I found it's, that hard to take because I thought it was supposed to be just kind of like, a fun movie the whole way through. 
I mean, like it's not it's, fun. No, but like, it's like it's it's a comedy, mm-hmm. but like it's a comedy in the way like The Breakfast Club is a comedy. Like there's moments right. where you're like, whoa, that right. felt real. There's a lot there, and like there's one scene in particular that everybody says is the hardest scene to watch, and it's really hard to watch. Right. There's another scene at a birthday party. A thing happens at a birthday party that's just like it's not even. It's not like. It's just sad. It's Does a just, kid get pantsed? No. Okay. It's it's smaller than that. It's like a small little thing that mm. just destroys you. And it's just like, it feels super real. Anyway, it's a great movie and he did an amazing job. But he's been around on every podcast and every TV show promoting. And I found it interesting because I never forgot three years ago when he was on You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon are like the worst things in media. Right. That Stephen Colbert... Uh, was like doing the most cutting edge satire of the modern era of comedy and he ruined it yeah. by being himself. Yeah. And that Jimmy Fallon is a succubus. Right. And uh, was he, did he get interviewed on both of these shows? Those are the only two shows he hasn't done. Oh, okay. So, cause I think like on the one hand, I think like those guys might not know that little old Bo Burnham said those things. Yeah. But someone who works there knows Someone, Someone who works, who works for Colbert listens to You Made It Weird and remembers when Bo Burnham said that about his boss. Well, you, you know who I'm thinking knows said it is Bo Burnham. Like, well, I think Bo Burnham's like, I can't do these shows. That's now. the other thing, too. But he did the other shows. He did Seth and Corden. Right. And I noticed he's softer about it now. He still makes that argument. He still says that in interviews that... Uh, Playing patty cake on on late night talk shows, <laughs> right? Uh, I think that's I think that's Bill Bird. That's word, a Bill Bird joke that they talked about on P. Holmes, but I appreciate you bringing it up. Well, it, just he talks. Bo's point is, it seems doing the movie is just an excuse to have a six minute set on Jimmy Fallon to play a dumb game where you throw a bowl of cherries at a basketball hoop or something, <laughs> right? Um, and so when he talks about that and he continues to make that point. He'll use James Corden as an example, but he'll preface it with, I love James Corden, but... Right. And he'll like he'll say, like, I consume this stuff, but here's the problem with yeah. it. And so part of that's maturity, and part of that's being a businessman who realizes... Because I remember when he said that stuff on You Made It Weird, like... It was he's like, uh, I'm never going to be on these shows, but I don't care. Now he's an important filmmaker, and he has a studio to represent. Yeah, you got to worry about burning bridges now. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Bo burning bridges. That's right. Bo bridges. Bo burns those bridges. Bo burn them bridges. Jeff Bridges. Burn them up. <laughs> all right. That's all I got. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. For the news. <laughs> and and have... that's in the news. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back some Vanessa Bear. One of my Kingston. favorite characters from Vanessa Bear. So funny. I love it. All right. Which, uh, okay. I guess it's up to me, right? Which show do I want to oh recap? All right, let's get the let's get the thing out of the way. I'll do insatiable. Let's get the bullshit out of the way. This is gonna be like this is a Spitfire podcast. There's something about this room, I think, mm-hmm. and maybe it's the heat that I'm. Un- I think it's definitely the heat that you're like. I gotta get out of this. We're I'm, having recording problems. I gotta get out. of I'm this. uninhibited. Mm-hmm. I no. I think that there's something. I'm in a silly mood. Slanty sugar is super low. Do you believe in that though? There's mojo in a room, and you could you could behave differently in a room. Totally. So I think like we're in a different room. Like maybe the podcast is gonna sound different now. I'm okay with that. All right. This I'm is our third chapter of Show Show. You're right. Third studio. What show are we on, by the way? I mean, like, what show for us? Right? What episode? 94? 93, 94? All right. I yeah. did. I yeah. did. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to recap the first episode of the Netflix series that you know and love. Mm-hmm. Insatiable. Insatiable. In three, two, one.
Patty is uh, an overweight girl in high school. She's uh, not. She's not happy. She's insatiable. She eats so much food. Uh, then she uh, gets called fat by a homeless person who's trying to steal her candy bar. Uh, then he punches her in the face, and she punches him back. And then she gets sued for assault. And she hires as her lawyer local beauty pageant coach Bob, who just wants to be on top again. Who, when she gets skinny, sees that she could maybe be a model. And there is every element of offense you could imagine in this program. Okay, so couple quick things. Sure. I Did I get say, anything wrong in there? A little couple things. I'm going to go over. Okay. So she she doesn't hire Bob. It's pro bono work. Oh, you're right. The the dad almost kind of gives it to him as punishment. Well, and Bob can't, he actually can't work unless it's pro bono because he was accused falsely of uh, molestation by the coach of his previous candidate who never won the big trophy and is bitter about him. So there's a very prominent storyline in this show about false accusations which are in fact false in the show, which in and of itself is quite problematic. <laughs> the show is 100% problematic. And yeah. not for... There can be problematic shows that at their root are good. Yeah. Or at least a case can be made that they're good or what they were trying to do was funny. Yeah. But this just went from it being potentially something that was controversial and funny to something that was just controversial and then goes to like a super bad SNL skit. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say is that it's not a saving grace and it's not an excuse, but I think it's deliberate. Mm -hmm. I think this is, I think this is an experiment. I think this is a studio saying, can we market a show? This is this is a culture of outrage. Can we harness that and market a show via outrage? Totally. Can we make something that's bad and get the world to promote it for us through their anger? I think that's what it is. Right right like right down to the fact that they don't just like make fun of uh overweight teenagers or uh suicide or murder. They make fun of cancer benefits. Right. Like having people over to raise money for cancer is something they mock. They well, openly make fun of that concept. I was thinking about the writer's room and they were like, well, what's the funniest cancer? Ass anal cancer. cancer. Anal cancer. And the ribbons what are What color would the ribbon be? Right. And then you just start going like, oh, oh my God. And like what's happening during the uh, the speech that the organizer is giving? People are making fart jokes. Right. And that's supposed to be fun. Like people, you're supposed to imagine that people think that other people are laughing at this. And maybe yeah. they are. Like, I don't know who. Like, no. I don't know who the demo is for it. I Well, I think, I think it's supposed to look like a show that has the same demo as Pretty Little Liars. But I think I expect more Pretty Little Liars fans. Like, they like trash, but there's some kind of, there's heart in that. Riverdale yeah. still has heart in it. Right. It's not very good, but they're still committed to what they're doing. Whereas this is just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Someone said it's going to be like Pretty Little Liars and Me, Myself, and Irene. Completely forgetting that Me, Myself, and Irene was kind of like a problematic movie from yeah. 1998. Yeah. 
and not thinking that that wouldn't have. But there's a difference between making something that doesn't age well and making something that seems deliberately antithetical to the culture we're trying to live in. Right. Like, like in the year of Me Too, they make a show where the main character is falsely accused of being a perv. Yeah, true. And he's clearly closeted gay, but it's nowhere present in the story. And the the craziest thing is that the the student also is like totally buying in. To, she's not creeped out by it. She says we're soulmates. Oh my god, that's that's one of the worst lines. Like when her friend discovers that she has a crush on Bob, she's like, "Ew, he's uh, a convicted uh, pedophile or whatever." Yeah. What's the word that they keep using? Pervert or a child molester molester Ew, he's a molester and yeah. she's like well maybe i have a chance right like, that like means... these are little hints to me that they're yeah. like oh they're trying to drum up outrage right you know what before i was even outraged i was bored yeah yeah i mean that makes sense it makes sense there was nothing really super catchy about it no there was nothing super funny about it no there <laughs> it was like a bad fat suit joke from the beginning even the fat suit technology has not improved in 20 years. It was awful, wasn't it? Was it? Like you could see cracks in the face yeah. that were kind of like, how is Netflix behind this? Well, and the other thing that makes me think it's all just an experiment is like there are no actors in this besides Alyssa Milano for some reason. But like mm-hmm. everyone, like the Bob is not a leading man. He's right. like, it'd be one thing if he was like uh, all of these things, but also kind of handsome in like a dad bod way. But he right. looks like Mike Birbiglia... If he yes. was in jail. And then like the, <laughs> the the competitive lawyer is like too skinny to be the hunky lawyer. He's like weirdly like skinny and has this ugly southern accent and Yeah, he's got like a like a a sort of like Colonel Sanders style southern accent. He doesn't. Accent. He's supposed to be like the hunky can do no wrong kind of perfect archetype. Right. And he's poorly cast too. There's like no charm to anyone in the show. They all look like porn versions of more famous people. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. There yeah, there's there's literally not one person in the show who is the charming one. No. Everyone's kind of just like like maybe you could even say the friend is supposed to be the charming one who's clearly there's going to be a story where she's in love with patty because that was oh, already hinted at with her mom 100 well she, and she said you know you're not supposed to kiss people like that you're supposed to kiss people that you love like people that are around you all the time oh, that, right like, yeah it was just so over the top like brutal the other thing is like patty in like a princess diaries kind of way where they make the unappealing uh, character appealing physically. Mm. Yep. Where they like make over the person physically so they're more desirable and more attention grabbing to the cute boy at high school. They still then have to develop that person's personality so that they suit their glamorous magazine cover looks. Right. You know what I mean? So like Anne Hathaway in Princess Diaries becomes beautiful when she gets a haircut, but she's still dorky Amelia. Right. Remember? Yeah. Whereas Patty in Insatiable automatically knows how to be like. She knows how to seduce people. Yeah. And she knows how to be manipulative. It just doesn't add up. You're right. And the whole reason for someone else becoming like she broke her jaw like a homeless person. Like the fact that she I'm sorry for saying like so much, by the way, the fact that she was the initiator of the contact, like she punched a homeless person in the face for her him calling her fatty right and then he broke her jaw yeah and she's still really upset yeah about it 
To the point that she almost lights him on fire. She almost murders him. <laughs> she goes really far in the process of killing him with fire. Yes. Which is crazy. The yeah. other thing is uh, he harassed her and tried to steal from her. Mm -hmm. Then they both hit each other. Yes. And there was witnesses. And he's homeless. Yeah. And neither one of them have a lawyer they're paying. Right. Why is this being made into a, into a few good men? Why yeah. is this a fucking John Grisham trial? Why do they why do they try to make the it was a weird like reinteraction to the homeless guy because he's at AA yeah. you you start to think that he's becoming like a better person he's clearly like a lot clean he's wearing new clothes but he's not actually like she goes back to a hotel room with him and right. he's, he's still, lied about his sobriety he's lied about his sobriety but still somehow got like a little bit cleaner like what yeah. is how is that contributing to the story at all? He's still like a dirtbag. Yeah. And she, I, they could, I feel like they could have got there a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Like she, her calling the beauty pageant director. They could have got there a lot more ways than him, her like hooking back up with the homeless person. It was right. just, it was so weird. Why did the, I mean, maybe, maybe I already answered this, but like, why did the other beauty queen, why did she have, why did she accuse Bob falsely of, like, why were they so mad at Bob? Because he said that it was going to be a politically neutral question. Oh. And they asked her what ISIS is. ISIS is. And she was like, I love ISIS in all different flavors. Right. I think was her response. Oh my God. Which isn't even like a very like smooth joke. Right, right. <laughs> so there was like all kinds of backlash about this show. I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that like before the show even came out, right. there was a, a huge crowdfunding campaign trying to cancel the show. And generally I'm like, well, listen, stuff can exist. It was already mm -hmm. paid for. Just don't consume it. And we both found uh, ways to not affect the algorithm. Yeah, that's important to say, by the way. Yeah. Normally, I wouldn't publicly condone stealing stuff, but we just ripped it off. We didn't we, care. We didn't contribute to the, the watching of it on Netflix. So if it gets renewed, which it won't, uh, it's not going to be our fault, I promise. Um, but yeah, there was it was a failed campaign. I mean, like I guess this goes back to my what I've said before about, about petitions petitions are pointless they don't mean anything mm -hmm. uh people can release whatever they want it is a little disappointing that netflix would want their name attached to it yeah well the company that won't allow eye contact for more than five seconds oh that's netflix yeah yeah that is bizarre you know they thought yeah sure this is fine yeah it's not fine seems a little weird that's all i got don't watch insatiable it's not even like worthy of whether or not we should give it an s it's not a real show it's a fake show it's a it's a clearly a, a mock of shows it's the type of show that you would see previewed in a comedy that doesn't actually exist yeah. like that is the type of you know it also fits that description it's not necessarily offensive but it's just that believe like unbelievably bad is this new movie little italy with emma roberts and hayden christensen oh who played Anakin Skywalker? And but Emma, who's Emma Roberts again? She's uh, well, she's Julia Roberts' niece, but that's not the best way to describe her. You recognize <laughs> her? She's she's like been around for a long time okay. now. She's cool. a good actor. I don't think that she has to do this, but it's like a romantic comedy, mm -hmm. and it's exactly like you said. It looks like a movie that Cameron Diaz's character in The Holiday would cut the trailer for as right. a person who cuts movie trailers. It looks like a fake movie within a movie. Really? Yeah. Well, I won't watch that. 
No, but it's a fascinating thing that it exists. Maybe Weirdly and quickly. Can maybe I... it's a new thing that they're they're going to start making stuff that's intentionally bad to see what people will actually consume. Maybe they've been doing that all to along. To see what takes. What, can I get a quick 30 seconds to just say that I watched Ocean's 12. Okay. And it's the first time that I've watched it, and I was so surprised on how meta that Ocean's, movie got. Ocean's 12 does something... That is both the worst thing I've ever seen in film and all I've ever wanted from a movie. Yeah. I've... Okay, so I, I haven't even finished... I'm in, in the first 30 seconds of them, like, going for this ploy. Mm-hmm. And I think we paused it on Netflix just because it wasn't quite loading. Actually, yeah. no, we couldn't even find it on Netflix. Right. Ocean's Eleven's on Netflix, and I think Ocean's 13 is on Netflix. Yeah. But Ocean's 12 is not there. Go figure. Go figure. Yeah. And maybe it's for this reason. So I'm going to do a spoiler alert. Julia Roberts. They her character s- Tess. Her character Tess. Yeah. Sorry. They keep saying, has anyone ever mentioned that you really look like? like?" And it becomes a big part of the story. And they use it as a ploy for a robbery that she looks like Julia Roberts. But they don't ever say it. No, they, they just, never say They just make it clear that like, oh my God, it's uncanny. No, but they, they do say it because Bruce, Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis is like... Is like Julia. Yeah. Like I think he even says Julia Roberts. It's even more meta than that because Bruce Willis was supposed to play Danny Ocean, but he turned it down. Oh. And so him appearing as Bruce Willis in that movie for that ridiculously meta sequence uh, is uh, him making fun of that poor decision. Right. And so when Ocean's 8 came out this year... And Anne Hathaway was actually really great and played like a movie, not a movie star. You know, I guess she played a movie star who uh, is in some way involved in the heist as a victim, I guess. Yeah. A lot of people said it would have been better if Anne Hathaway just played Anne Hathaway because the Ocean's movies have already established a metadom in that, like, it's like kind of a heightened reality. When you're an actor, you can play... Someone who looks like the actor. You totally. also exist in real life. Totally. We've talked about before how on... on Bruce Willis on Friends. Bruce Willis on Friends. Winona Ryder on Friends. These are all people they mention in real life mm-hmm. and also exist in, in there. Yep. And that's funny. It would have taken it to another level if they said, you really look like Winona Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny to me. I know. That's what I mean by it's, it's, it's the worst thing ever and it's also all I've ever wanted. It's kind of satisfying. Yeah. yeah. But... You have to take it a step further and go, okay, if we're going to acknowledge that Julia Roberts' character test looks like Julia Roberts, we, no, live, in a, we live in a world where all of today's <laughs> actors are real. Right. And so that means everybody in this story looks unbelievably like a famous a person. movie star. Yeah. Because she's probably been in movies with other actors in that movie. Yeah. Like, is there even one, one person that's like, that guy really looks like Scott Kahn. <laughs> Scott Kahn of all yeah. people. Yeah, I just well, or just like, a funny pull. or uh, what's what's Brad Pitt's character's name? Shadow Rusty. Rusty, yeah. Uh, so Rusty and Danny Ocean are sitting in a casino, and nobody around is like taking photos of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be really funny if from the beginning yeah. of Ocean's Eleven, people that was were just always kind of like, the ongoing premise of Ocean's Thirteen. Is it's just a bunch of people who aren't that famous, look like movies, who stars. happen to all be partners in crime and look like movies. That stars. maybe needs to be the highest movie that we write yeah okay i'm into that a bunch of like near-do-well look-alikes of famous actors i like this idea do we do we do like what what group of actors do we select from then 
Oh God, that's such a good question. But I think we can go go with like, you know, that was kind of like just get the, today's people. We need to get like let's get a little Timothy Chalamet in there. That's what I was gonna suggest. Yeah, Michael like, B. Jordan. Thank you. Yeah. I was gonna say maybe we go a little bit more millennial with it. Yeah. Yeah. So we can get Timothy Chalamet. We can get Michael B. Jordan. We can get um, maybe Emma uh, Emma Stone. This we is a very Emma expensive Stone. movie you're writing. We could get also Emma. Emma Roberts. Why not throw her in there too? Emma, okay, Although sure. she's clearly a B Dude, movie actor. Are now. you Julia Roberts' niece? People will say <laughs> no. I'm Tessa's niece. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My aunt Tess looks a lot like Julia Roberts. Oh, I like it. Anyway, I, I like it a lot. All right, uh, you want to do the other one? <laughs> sure. Man, this this other show was actually a show. This was quite a show. And yeah, it's you got to be. Hard. You got to be on microphone. Sorry, I was putting a drink down. All right, it's extremely hard to recap. It is probably going to be hard because it's a little timeliney. And for that reason, I'm going to do a brutal job. Okay, well, I, I wish you the best. I kind of wanted to do Insatiable. Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't do that too. It was, it was, it was so easy easier to, recap to follow. Recap the pilot episode of Castle Rock. Okay. In three, two, one, go. Okay, so the show starts with a boy being lost, Henry Deaver, and he's found, and it's kind of a flashback from like 1991 or 1980 something. Um,. Throughout the show, there's a lot of uh, weird things happening. The warden at uh, Shawshank uh, kills himself. Um, then a person is found in a cage in Shawshank. Uh, Henry Deaver is asked for by this person that's found. He comes up, and a lot of weird stuff is happening in Castle Rock. Yeah, okay, so aside from the fact that it takes place in Castle Rock, which is a reoccurring setting for Stephen King things. Like That's so right. many Stephen King things either take place in like Dairy Maine mm-hmm. or Castle Rock. Dairy Maine was the other place. Which is yeah. also Maine. Um aside from that, and I don't know a lot about Castle Rock, like I know Stand By Me took place in Castle Rock and Rob Reiner named his production company after Stand By right. Me, which is named after Castle Rock. Sure. Uh this episode, and it might not always be the case for the series, although I think it probably is, this episode is just a love letter to the Shawshank Redemption. Totally. It's just the whole thing takes place in Shawshank. Was that the same building? I think it was. It looked and like it, it was the been. same music. Oh, the opera song. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn's listening to the opera song at the beginning. Yep. Yeah, I recognize that right away. There's also just something about, I don't know if it's like the lens they use on Stephen King adaptations, but like there's something about like blue collar uh, small towns that are like, have all these like brick cube buildings yeah. that look very Stephen King-esque. It's never quite as warm as it could You're be right. for it's like a town gray. like that. It's always yeah. a little bit like grayer, although there's sun, like totally. just, the colors aren't quite as vibrant. So let's run through be. some Shawshank references. Of sure. course, the, the opera song that Terry O'Quinn's listening to on the radio as he's driving to go commit suicide. I didn't pick up on it. Love that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they mentioned that you can still see the bullet hole in the warden's office. Yes, that was that was pretty obvious. Which I have a problem with because he shoots himself through the neck and then the bullet goes through the window. Yeah. Makes no sense. They also said that every warden since then had killed themselves. Yeah. There's been like four people that have killed themselves Well, which since made then. me think, because like they allude to the fact that uh, Terry O'Quinn, we should mention Terry O'Quinn is the warden. Uh, we know him as John Locke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be in the show a lot. but John he, Locke from Lost. He kills himself. Poor Terry O'Quinn dies with a noose around his neck in a lot of shows. As That's right. Out. But uh, also gets his redemption in a good flashback. Holy fuck, though. That was so gruesome. He like he ties a noose around his neck, and he ties the noose to a tree, and he gets in the car, and he drives off a cliff. Yep. And you just see the blood splatter, blood on, the splatter on the dashboard. It was really 
it was effective, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, they called they 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 uh, described it as guillotining himself, which right. kind of was. Yeah, uh, and they also say they never found the head. Yeah, <laughs> which okay. is weird. Right. Maybe not necessary, but they kind of make they. It's not a big spoiler that in the end. He's the one keeping Bill Skarsgård in the cage. Yes. We know that already. Right. But even before they mention that there might have been like some sex slave stuff going on, I was already wondering, is he killing himself to cover up insidious things? Because that would be in keeping with the theme we've created about how wardens at Shawshank kill themselves, not because it's a difficult and depressing life, but because they're doing dark shit. Right. And they get found. Yeah. And so he was keeping Bill Skarsgård in a cage. But... Yeah, he was keeping him in a cage, but he also told him to ask for Henry Deaver. Henry Matthew Deaver. So he wants him to kill Henry Matthew Deaver? What is there that's supernatural about Henry Matthew Deaver? Because he's this kid who was missing for 11 days, and then he got blamed for the death of his father, gets adopted by this white family. Yep. Who is, like, ostensibly friends with... Well, his father... Wasn't his father the the one who... Was he with the the white family too, or like his his biological father? Like that's who he always lived with before he went missing. I think I might have missed that. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, I don't know. I gotta say, quick aside: the father in this was the father in Leftovers. He was Justin Thoreau's dad. Oh, cool! Also played a retired cop. Nice, but was like way crazier and did an amazing job. It's one of the reasons I really liked Leftovers. So he fit right in in this role, and that might have been one of the reasons they cast him. Yeah. All right. Um. Anyway, yeah. So confused about like so. There's obviously they they said something about the lake. Yeah. But maybe there's it's close to Castle Rock, or is yeah. that the area? I guess it's on the outskirts of Castle Rock. Right. Probably. Yeah. Um, and that is essentially where they found where this father, who's an also an, or this friend of the mom, who's Alan, also an ex-cop, yeah. who's now dating the mom, saw Henry Deaver and says, "Isn't that so crazy that that's where I found you? Yeah, I found you on that lake, the same lake that you like Gillett, which I thought was a weird thing to just but say. But he knows about Henry Deaver, and he kills himself in the lake where they found Henry Deaver thirty right. years ago or whatever. Right. And he then goes to the the prison because that prison guard, who kind of looks like a ten years younger Giovanni Ribisi, yep. calls up Henry Deaver mm-hmm. and brings him to the prison. But then the the temporary warden from uh from House of Cards is like you've been pranked go home right There's a lot of things in play already yeah yeah and it's I I kind of liked that it wasn't too over the top in the first episode no man it had the opportunity to go really like crazy gory no, crazy jump no deep end stuff the scariest scene had to be when ten years younger Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> Uh, is looking at the security cameras and yeah. Bill Skarsgård has escaped and then there's just a bunch of bodies in the hall. Yes. That was terrifying. Was it ever? Yeah. Also, even just the glimpse of the uh, Skarsgård eyes yeah. where it just went yeah. super loud. By the way, how weird is triggering. it that he just played Pennywise and now he's in another Stephen King adaptation? Oh, is that who played Pennywise? That's the guy. Oh, yeah. creepy. Creepy as hell. But he's not going to play Pennywise in this. Although Pennywise... Wasn't it in Dairy Maine? Although this is yeah, Castle it, Rock. Yeah, it was in Dairy Maine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that this wasn't like a novel written by Stephen King. No, it's, it's just, just kind of an allusion to a lot of things just that happened in It's set in his Dairy world. Maine. Or in, in Castle Rock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, another Shawshank reference is the pipes in the basement of the prison. Yeah. Like when he's turning the crank. Of course. That's very clearly yeah. Andy Dufresne. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Like, 
it was very in keeping that whole scene where the car was driving through the main entrance of Shawshank. Yeah. And, you know, you remember that from the first scene where the bus is coming through. Yep. That was pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's very cool. Well, and I, I keep saying Shawshank Redemption, but like the opening shot of the show is Alan, the dad, but in his younger self before he's discovered boy yeah. Henry Deaver is uh, fiddling with a gun in the front seat of a car. And that's how Shawshank opens. Like, that's not a coincidence. Right. Yeah. Whoever made the show is just a Shawshank Redemption. Love Shawshank. Yeah, yeah. Clearly. And for good reason. Absolutely. Uh, Terry O'Quinn seems like he's going to be a pretty bad guy. Good actor. Haven't seen him a lot. Which one's Terry O'Quinn? Locke. John Locke. Okay. Yep. Um, that's like all I have for observations just because like I'm just kind of watching it blindly. But also Henry Deaver says his dad always spoke really highly of John Warden. Locke. Really? Yeah. He was like, yeah, the warden always seemed like a really good guy. Like my, I remember my dad saying really nice things about him. Hmm. And then, yeah. I don't know. What is it about Stephen King adaptations where, and there's so many of them, where, but they're always like either massively critically acclaimed and huge hits. Yeah. Or they're nothing and they just kind of like fizzle out and disappear. We think this is on the huge hit side? I think so. I think yeah. it's, doing, it's already renewed for a second season. Really? It's getting a lot of good good buzz? Yeah. Yeah, okay. but like remember last year when Dark Tower came out? And like that yeah. was going to be a big deal. Matthew McConaughey, Idris Elba. Right. And it just it got horrible reviews. People who liked the books were so disappointed. And now it's gone away and it'll never be heard from again. Right. Like there's, there's that. There's also Mr. Mercedes is a TV show that's on right now. And that's a Stephen King adaptation. Really? Nobody talks about that shit. Never heard about it. Um, and yeah. So like, and it was such a big deal. Totally. Yeah. It is like iconic. What are the most iconic Stephen King novels. Anyway. It, it is, but I think it's like the highest rated horror movie of all time. Yeah. Commercially anyway. Like, yeah. I think it made like an unfathomable amount of money. Yeah. Which is how they could afford to hire like Jessica Chastain and, and all those other people for part two. He also did Green Mile, right? Stephen King's Green Mile. Yeah. Did, yeah. did he write that? Yeah. Why am I he hesitating about that? He did, right? I think yeah. he did. Yeah. And I was wondering at some points, like when the, when the uh, death penalty didn't quite out like the capital punishment didn't quite take right on that lady I was right like, oh my god is there gonna be shades of the green mile in this too okay but it doesn't make sense because the green mile doesn't take place in shawshank no so anyway i was just but they haven't had the death penalty in maine for 150 years don't they say that so why was she getting show because he was in texas at the time oh it was in texas yeah that's yeah. where it started oh yes 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 right are you gonna well, watch more of the show huh yeah, I, I definitely am. Me too, and it's too scary for me, but it's very good. It is a scary show, yeah, but I like it. I really enjoyed Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three with James Franco. Yeah, I read the book, and uh, the book was denser, and it's too long. Stephen King writes his books are too long. Yeah, uh, but but it's really cool because. But it's he like, maybe gets too much of a horror, like master of horror title when he doesn't necessarily. He's not. He's just a good storyteller. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think that's more important than genre. 100 percent right. but yeah. i just i feel like anytime i watch something um stephen king i'm like i i feel like i was raised to think that he was the master of horror yeah but not in like a not like i don't even know i can't even think of an example of like who's like a, a, a the king of slasher films yeah like it's it's not like that it's just it's eeriness. Like the shining is terrifying. Yes. Sure. So that was Stephen King too. Yeah. The that's, oh, so King. that's like the ultimate Stephen, but and that's like considered the scariest book ever. So he wrote it in Stanley Kubrick, like 
Yeah, and he famously did not like the movie. Oh, really? Famously did not like the movie. Cool. No, Stephen King has always written stuff that wasn't necessarily scary. Okay. But like, um, I heard him talking on on Fresh Air about how he'll start with a concept and then he'll add whatever drama is necessary to have created that concept. So for example, he liked the idea of someone uh, being trapped in their car. Like the idea of like someone being trapped in their car why are they trapped in their car well maybe there's a rabid dog outside that car oh and that's how that's Cujo was invented Cujo. and so there's uh is also, that a whole bottle episode like yeah pretty much really that's it's like a bottle book and that, and i think that was the idea is like what if the whole book takes place where a person is trapped in their car and can't get out of the car so wow. it's all essentially trapped in their mind there's another incident where uh stephen king was almost killed on the side of a road he was just like dry, he was walking on the side of a road and uh somebody took their eyes off the road or whatever and hit him and he broke like both of his legs and Stephen King for in all ways he should have died but he didn't and he was uh bedroom bound for like six months and and, and so that's, that's where misery, where misery came, from. came from wow wow so that's kind of interesting that is really interesting and, and, and misery too like that's like action and it's suspense but it's not like horror I guess it depends on how you define horror he just goes to like the darkest place maybe yeah and then writes about his thoughts that's right huh. but it's not he's he's not really ever been a monster person i no. don't think i don't think so he's not like Guillermo del toro you know who makes monster things right who, right it's i see about, what you're it's about like circumstance and how that can be really scary yeah yeah which Ma- is scarier it makes me evil w- people are scarier than monsters it makes me want to watch or read more stephen king things man Check out 112263. Yeah. It is the it's definition a of a page turner. And it's not scary. Right. It's historical fiction. It's a time travel book. Yeah. And it's about the Kennedy assassination. And it's so good. Super interesting. Yeah. Or just watch the eight part miniseries, which the is like not as good, but it's great. Okay. Oh, the eight part miniseries called 112263. Yes. With James Franco. Yes. Okay. Maybe I will. Yes. Would I potentially be able to borrow this book on my trip? Yes. Or should I listen to Cherry? Or potentially? I don't think you're going to find Cherry. I don't think it's out as an audiobook yet. Okay. I think maybe it just came out, and usually the audiobook comes out a little well, bit later. I, I have time because my flight doesn't leave till five thirty tomorrow, Man, so I might be able either, to buy read either Cherry by Nico Walker, which I want to read too. Yep. Or read eleven twenty two sixty three, which is a thousand pages. I still have Freedom, which I haven't read. Freedom. I read about half of the corrections. Yeah, and I just like it couldn't was, couldn't go. It through was it. good, but it was it was the people were not that likable in it. Yeah, which I think is kind of the point. Like, oh, look at how how how, how selfish Americans is. are. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and I had just read the Knicks, which I think is like it's maybe the smartest book I've ever read as an adult. The Knicks. And so I was right. kind of, I was I kind of thinking like I should I should read something uh, elevated again. Uh huh. And I thought that maybe that should be the corrections, but the, also the corrections is famous for being depressing. So right. maybe that's why I wasn't. And the Knicks wasn't depressing. It had sad shit in it, but it was a it was a good book. It yeah. was a happy book in the end. Oh, good. Kind of. <laughs> okay, still mm. good. Lots of lots of book recommendations. I know. I need them for tomorrow. Yeah, I'm traveling by myself everywhere. My friend, I have three friends going. We're all getting to Edmonton at different times. Okay, this is this is yet another wedding that you're having to travel to. Yet another Why are wedding. Are friends with people who who live <laughs> who everywhere? Move away. Yeah. Well, he yeah he I grew up with him. He lived here and then he moved to Edmonton. And I just know like he'll be at my wedding, and I knew that a couple other friends were going to this wedding, and I'd said all along I was going to go to this wedding. Jen's like, you don't have to go. Like you're, it's not. And I'm like, no, you you don't know because you like 
you yeah. you haven't really met or hung out like Darren and I are close. Yep. Like for as as far apart as we are, like we were just good friends in high school. So no, I mean, there are I have friends who wherever they might be, I would go to their wedding. Totally. Yeah, but I'm lucky in that there aren't going to be too many travel situations. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you just deal with it. it. It's fun too. Like you get to go to Edmonton. I've never been there. Sure, maybe it's fun. Maybe it's. Is shitty, Edmonton but... known for being kind of? <laughs> I don't think so. We're going to like a big campground. Okay. So, like, that's where the wedding festivities are going to take place. You'll have a good time. We'll see. We'll save travels. Thank you. Happy reading. Thanks. Thank you for indulging some of the technical difficulties we had, which with the which the listeners won't really even be aware. That's happened, right. But they did. If they heard me chewing cherry blasters, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, that's, that was painful. for your health. That was for your life. That's right. It's to save a life. You saved your own life. You're a hero. <laughs> How to save a life. Very good. I interviewed that guy. Did you? Yeah. Isaac Slade, his name is. That's a fake name. No, he was, he was, yeah, it is a fake name. Yeah. I interviewed him and Mark Foster from Foster the People on the same day. Right. And the guy from the fray was so much nicer. I remember you saying that uh, Mark Foster, well, Mark Foster was like famously an ad exec that really was, he went, well, he wrote like commercial songs for like advertisements and stuff. Oh. So he really understands how to like write a hook. And I feel like it's sure. way more of a business for him. Like he, I guess, but like, why isn't he out there a la Ryan Tedder writing songs for other people? If that's the case, if he can write the perfect pop song. Cause he's pretentious and he just wants all the fame for himself. He is pretentious. Yeah. He was five years ago when I talked to him on the radio. Probably still is. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck or maybe guy. he's just unhappy. I don't know. Maybe he's having a bad day. That could be it too. Maybe his brother's name's Colin and they had a falling out. That's right. It must be that. They had a fallout boy. <laughs> his brother is Patrick Stump. I was going to say, he, they had a fallout boy because his brother's in fallout boy. Right. And it's Patrick Stump. <laughs> not Pete Wentz. Which isn't a real name for sure. Patrick Stump is also not a real name. Yeah. No. God damn it. Mark right. Foster probably is. I got to get out of here because I'm so hot. It's getting warm. It's so hot in and this room. We're at the 10 o'clock mark. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, well, uh, Will Smith is apparently going into business with Kevin Durant. They bought a company together. Did they? Kevin Durant is like the pinnacle of, uh, of he's just at the height of like Silicon Valley. Is that right? Because he, he lives in San Francisco and just does. So he's just like, he's just trying to be a businessman? Oh, yeah. I oh, that. yeah. I th- and I think he's making money. And you know what? You know who else is trying to make money? Will Smith. William S. Smith. What's the S stand for? Stupid. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yes, <laughs> stands for untrustworthy. Untrustworthy. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust him. <laughs>